Good morning. Come on, let's just stand and get ready to worship this morning. Come on, how good is it to be in the house of the Lord, amen? Come on, let's get ready to worship. This may be a song that the captives can't yet sing, but if we sing long enough, oh, they won't join in with us. And this may be to every other chains, but if we dance long enough, well, the prisons will open up, yeah. Come on, let's sing. And this may be a shout that those fragile lungs can't bear. But if we shout long enough, all the walls might finally fall. And this may be a tip, the hands up in the air. But we know that freedom's coming. So we'll sing it all the more we're singing. Oh, the redeemed now have a song. We'll sing it all day long till the rest come running home. And oh, all the broken can hear. We'll shout it out forever. Can't wait till you make it here. And to pray out loud but we send those orphans home we've been waiting all day long oh our living robe is ready we can see them coming now and just like the prodigal we're gonna meet them in the road we're singing oh the redeemed now have a song we'll sing it all day long till the rest come running home and oh all the broken can here we'll shout it when strongholds start to break at the sound of our voices, at the sound of our praise. And mountains get out of our way. Can't you see us dancing? There's no room for you to stay. No, no, no. And strongholds start to break at the sound of our voices, at the sound of our praise. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. 
Mountains move, I believe. 
God wants us to put that person in our head who really needs breakthrough and cry out for that person this morning because you may be the only one. You may be the only one still really pressing it in prayer for that person. You may be the link between them and their breakthrough. So get it in your head. Who is it? Who is it that God wants you to sing over this morning? Who is it that God wants breakthrough in their life? Nobody is willing to fall to their knees for them. God wants us to be the intercessors this morning. Be the intercessor. Take that person and say, you know what, Jesus? They need breakthrough. They need breakthrough. And God, you've already given me breakthrough. I walk in salvation. I walk in hope. Deliver to that person hope this morning. Get them breakthrough because they're on your mind and in your heart. And we're going to cry out for them and see if next week we don't fill some extra seats because they had their breakthrough. Amen?
plans our best. Your plans are always for our good. Your plans are always beyond what we can even dream or think of. Let your will, let your plan be delivered to us, Lord, in our minds and our hearts today. Let it fall upon us like a soft rain. Holy Spirit, drop your plan on us. Drop your will within our hearts, Lord. Make us faithful. Make us faithful beyond measure. Let us say yes and amen, because your response is amen. Let us say yes to your plans, Lord. Let us say yes with willing hearts, with, with happy hearts. Your way, Lord. Your way. Never our way, your way. Let that be our motto, your way, Lord. I want your way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for instilling in our hearts your way, your plans. Thank you for making a way for us to see and to do what you want us to do. To see your will and act upon it, Lord. To be obedient. Oh, Lord, that is our prayer. We want to be obedient to you. No matter what the request is, Lord, let our hearts and minds and mouths say yes. Yes, Lord, because I love you, because I trust you. I know you. You are the way maker. You will make a way for all of us to do your will. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Good morning, redeeming love. Here, redeeming love. Yes, you may be seated, sorry. <laughs> Here at Redeeming Love, we have a vision to engage God, engage church, and engage culture. And one of the ways we do that is through our Engage card, which you were handed as you walked in. Please go ahead and fill out some of that. And we might not get all through, you might not get through all of it, but go ahead and fill out some of it. continue filling that out. Um, we want to welcome our online viewers and encourage you as well to fill out that Engage card on our website, www. or World Wide Web, redeeminglovechurch.org. That's redeeminglovechurch.org. So go ahead and fill those out because those are important to us. We want to know who's watching. We want to know who's listening. And uh, so please do fill those out for us. We have membership class coming up today in one, uh, membership class 102 <laughs> at noon today in the Sequoia room back there. So please, 
those of you who are making up classes or those of you who are have started a, the new session, make sure and get in there by noon. Compass Care Walk is Saturday, May 6th at 9.30 a.m. at Victorious Life Church in downtown Troy. As many of you know who Compass Care is. We, we, we sponsor Compass Care. Um, they are an amazing group who uh, um, get women at the right time when they're considering abortion. And they talk to them, they give them all the medical information that they need and they give them the opportunity to see the gift of life and how precious that is and also give them a chance to meet their savior jesus christ and that is amazing to, to watch happen so please do it's also you know it is um, a fundraising event for Cummins care the idea is to get sponsors to support you as you walk or you can go on their website and donate as well. There is more information on the back table over here in the corner, as well as on their website. I want to take a moment right now to pray for kids, all of our beautiful kids. I want you to stretch out your hands, and let's just pray these kids into a gay church. Father, we thank you for the blessing of these little ones. They are amazing, and they are so gifted and have an amazing gift of believing and understanding even when some adults can't. They are precious and they are vulnerable. Lord, I just pray that you would bless the teachers. Let them instill in these kids a love for you that will never let go and a belief in you and a willingness and a wanting to obey you, Lord. Bring these kids up and raise them up to be the future leaders they are going to be. Just bring them up to be God-fearing, God-loving kids, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Kids, you can go to Engage Church. We are excited to have Elizabeth Beck coming up to bring the message in the Joy-Filled Joy Life series, and she will be coming up right after these videos.
Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You braved the weather to be here. Good for you, right? It was like really drippy out there. Um, <laughs> it was. I even brought an umbrella. Um, I just want to say before I start that last song, um, whatever your plan, whatever your will, come and do it here. I can't get it out of my head this morning that we need to broaden our perspective. We need to broaden our perspective. I wrote down here, you know, we need to see the horizon. We need to not just see the dot, right? Like, I'm not an artist. I don't claim to be able to figure this out. But I know that there's a focal point, and you can draw out from there. You can go out from there. But you, you could, if you wanted to, sit on the beach and stare at your feet. But if you look out at the horizon, it's so much bigger. And I, I just really feel that we need to change our thinking. We need to change our thinking. We come to, this has nothing to do with my message. But we come to church, and we're so focused on what God's going to do here that we forget about what God's going to do there. Well, i got news for you. God is broadening our horizon. Something good is going to happen here at Redeeming Love. And it's not only going to be good, it's going to be great. You know, when my kids were younger, Fred would say to them, how are you doing? And they'd say, okay. And he'd say, why? Why are you okay when you can be good? They'd say, good. Why are you good when you can be great? Great. Why be great when you can be exceptional? Dad, I'm exceptional. You know? And he would just keep going and going and going. But you know what? Yes, it starts here. You know, yes, it starts here. Maybe God needs to do breakthrough here, but I'm serious. Like, get that person in your head. Get those people in your head. Broaden your horizon. It's not all about us. It's not all about us. It's about all these people out here that God wants to touch, and we're his vessels. We're his vessels. So you know what? Whatever God's plan is for my life, I'll take it. Whatever his will is for my life, I'll take that too. But you know what? I want to start to see what God's plan is for your life and your life and your life out there. You know, I want to be open to his plan and his will. And I would be willing to stake my life on it that his plan and his will does not include just me. Does not include just me. So that was all free. Okay. So I am graduating into whatever century we are in, and I have actually my little iPad connected. So we'll see how this goes, right? We'll see how it goes. I, I don't really know. And I've got Joe back there, and we've got some hand signals figured out. And so I know that I can go now because it's up there. He said, when you see it, you can go. So I'm going to go and, t you know, just deliver my real message today. We are in the Joy-Filled Life series. And today we are going to talk about return to joy. Okay? Return to joy. He is waiting for you. He's waiting for me. I'm sure there are some people here today that are not here with joy. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay. Um, we'll talk about when it's not okay. All right? Um, but I promise you, Jesus is here to return your joy, to bring you back to a place. You know, maybe we feel like we've never had joy. We've never had joy. You know, we could have been raised in a good family, or maybe we weren't raised in a good family. But, you know, sometimes there are those of us who we just never feel joy. We, we can be happy, you know, like, I got that pink sweater I really wanted. I'm happy. But joy is not being happy. Pastor Matt touched on this last week. Joy is not being happy. There is a difference. Joy is being able to go through life with a smile on your heart. 
It's not always on your lips, but the smile is in your heart. Um, maybe some of us feel like we've lost our joy. We can't find it. We've misplaced it. How does that happen? Well, you know, sometimes I think it happens because we try to find joy in things that are not his will and that are not his plan. And so, you know, you take a kind of a curve, you're taking a shortcut off the road. You think it's a shortcut, but it's going to be a long cut. It's going to be a you're lost, welcome to Massachusetts kind of uh, trip. Um, you know, I say that because years ago when my son was, my first son was nine months old, we went on a little Beck ride because we had no money, so we took a lot of rides. And uh, my husband kept saying, be home in 15 minutes, babe. Baby start to cry. Home in 15 minutes, babe. Babe, we're going to be. And we round this corner, and there's a big sign that says, Welcome to Massachusetts. <laughs> we were not home in 15 minutes. But sometimes we do that in the kingdom of God. We take a wrong turn. We, uh, you know, we kind of veer off the plan of God because, you know, in our mind, we're helping him out, right? But we're not. We're not helping him out. He doesn't need help. And we're not helping ourselves out. Um, you know, maybe we're looking for joy in all the wrong place. You know, maybe we think our joy is going to come from a person. Or maybe we think that our joy is going to come from an event. Or maybe we think our joy is going to come from the one thing that has happened um, in our life that is God's plan and is God's will. And if that just happens, if that one thing just happens... I'm good for the rest of my life. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you know that that is not true, right? Because I'm getting older every single year. My life is changing every single day. Things happen. It's never one thing that's going to give you joy. I guarantee it. It might. There might be temporary joy, a blessing from God. That's a joy, right? When God blesses us, that's a joy. But it won't last long. It will be part of your testimony of joy, okay? Part of your testimony of how God brought you out of the miry pit and brought you to a place of joy. That happens, and I'm not making fun of it. But you can't go from thing to thing to have joy. Joy needs to be something that bubbles from within, okay? Um, maybe, maybe we do have joy. Maybe we do. Today we came with joy. We know that Jesus is our joy, so we come with joy. We're just that kind of person. It's abundant joy, right? It goes from day to day, minute to minute, hour to hour, you know, and it just keeps going. That's abundant joy. But, you know, can you imagine what would happen if we had joy overflowing? What, hap what would happen if the joy that you feel right now because you're in the house of God and you're with God's people and we had awesome worship and now you get to listen to the word and... That is joy. But what would happen if you took that joy that you feel right now and you woke up Monday morning and you went to work where things just aren't cool and you kept your abundant joy? I'm surrounded, you know, I'm sorry I say this every once in a while, but I'm surrounded by morons. You know, don't say that. It's not nice. Just say I'm surrounded by people who need the Lord. You know, so... You gotta change the way you talk. You gotta change the way you act. You've gotta keep your joy. You've gotta do it, right? So joy everlasting and overflowing. We're gonna look at that. All right, Joe, I might need help because the little thing to tell me to go to the next slide is not there. 
do 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 there it is all right you guys are going to bear with me because i'm going to get this i may never be as good at it as pastor matt but it's going to happen okay so the main scripture i want to talk about today is psalm 51 okay and it's actually verse 12 restore to me the joy of your salvation that's the only part I'm going to talk about really right now. Now, this scripture is written by David after Nathan the prophet came to him and said there was a man who had only one lamb and, and somebody came and took his lamb when they had a lot of lambs. They had a lot of lambs. And they could have taken one and you know made a meal out of that, but they took the one lamb and David said, whoever that man is, he shall be killed. He shall be punished, right? And Nathan said to him, you are that man. You took Bathsheba. And then you killed her husband. So there's a lot going on here. And, you know, David repents, and he says, create in me a clean heart. But the thing he asks for is restore to me the joy of your salvation. Okay? Now, you know, depend on, depending on the theologian you, you look at, it's thought that David walked in this sin for about six to nine months. Okay? And so that is a long time. That's a long time to keep sin in your life, right? It's a very long time. But you know what? I've kept sin in my life longer. I really have. Before I totally, you know, I've been saved a long time. And remember, I'm old. I just look good, right? So <laughs> always keep that in your heart and head. So <laughs> takes a lot of makeup to make this happen, okay? But... When I was walking with God and kind of dabbling in God, right, dabbling, you go to church every Sunday, maybe you're even involved in church, but then you leave church and you dabble, right? You do things you shouldn't do. I did that for about three and a half years. And uh, people tried to get my attention. They tried to turn me around. And, you know, I still loved God. I still served God. I still did whatever God asked me to do. I played in the music ministry. I was a worship leader. But I just wasn't all the time doing what God wanted me to do. So six to nine months, not really a long time in my mind's eye. But it is really a long time. And it wasn't until Nathan came to him. So, you know, restore, which is what the scripture says, right, means to bring back. But to bring back what? What, what does David want back? joy okay you know but the the word here if you just want to define it is to bring back a previous right to practice right so whatever kind of practice you had like getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth is a practice so what was David's practice his practice was not sinning doing the right thing he was a man after God's own heart okay to bring back a customer, a situation. Well, what was David trying to restore? He really wasn't trying to restore the fact that he was a man after God's own heart. He was trying to restore his relationship with God. He was trying to, to get back what he had, which was that closeness with God, where God led him and spoke to him and blessed him. That's really what he was trying to restore. Um, and restore means to return to that which you once had. To return to that which you once had. So instead of the title of the message being restore my joy, 
its return because a lot of things had to happen in order for David to be restored to joy, okay? You know, God could do it in his heart at that moment, but without repentance, right? Without David saying, um, you know, I was brought forth in iniquity, blot out my transgressions, read the whole psalm. He first says, forgive me, wipe out my transgression. Make it so that it's not there anymore because you know what? I keep that in my life. How much joy do you really think you're going to have? You're going to have pink sweater joy. That's what you're going to have because I guarantee you at some point, maybe not every day, maybe not every moment, but in your head and your heart sometime you're going to think this isn't right because you know God. You've already experienced God and then you just walk not in his ways. You know, and that's, that is really the crux of it, right? If we continue to walk in the ways of God, we will know almost in instantaneously when we have transgressed against him. We will know that it's time to make a change. We will know, we will have those moments where we have to say, you know what, God, this is not right, and... I need to repent and move forward. But really, as we move on, um, that's not just it. Once we get to the place where we know we have joy, um, how are we going to keep it? Because you know what? How many of you know life happens, right? Life happens every day. The good, the bad, the ugly, the wonderful, the miraculous. All right, there we go. Oops, nope, we're too far. Help me out. Can you go to the next one for me, Joe? Thank you. All right, so let's look at Peter. In every single gospel is the story about Peter denying Christ. You know, way David, Peter, they both did stuff, right? I can't imagine, though, having walked for three years with Jesus as Lord of my life and Savior. And, and when I say walk, I mean walk. Like, they literally were side by side. They walked. It wasn't just walking in their heart. Like, David had a relationship with God, but it wasn't like God and Adam where they walked in the garden, right? So a little bit of a different relationship. But Peter walked with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He was with Jesus all the time. He saw how Jesus, you know, talked and loved and cared, and, and <clears throat> he saw all of it. And then Peter denies Christ three times. And, and you know what? Jesus told him, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. So Peter knew. And if he believed everything that Jesus had said for those three years, would he not believe that? Would he not guard his heart and mind against it? You know, these are the things that go through my mind, right? So, <clears throat> um, let's see. I can't imagine after the rooster crowed. It says he, he went away and he wept. So weeping is different from crying, right? 
Weeping is like that gut-wrenching sobbing where your stomach is heaving and you're <gasps> and you can't catch your breath and you can't talk. That's weeping. Crying is I'm sad, the tears are flowing, you know, I'm I'm still breathing, I'm really sad. That's crying. But Peter wept. It says Peter wept, okay? Um and then what did he do? What do you think he did? How do you think he felt? I know how I would feel. I'd be like, I'm lost. You know, the savior of my life is going to be crucified and I should be supporting him and I should be there and my weeping should be for that and my weeping is because I didn't guard my heart and mind. I didn't take the one person who loved me the most and hold him so dear in my heart that I could find everything in that moment. I could find my relationship. I could find my love. I could find my joy. But instead, he walked away and he wept. And then he comes. I want to, um, let's see here. Can we go to the next one for a minute? Nope. Back up, please. All right. I'm doing okay, right? <laughs> I'm trying to do this. All right, we're going to stay here for a minute. Um, so this is where returning to joy comes in because, you know, this is how I feel like Peter was. Peter went from walking with Jesus to this. Do you know what that is? It's trudging. Do you know what trudging is? We're a big movie family, Knight's Tale. Chaucer's trudging along the road. And he says, uh, he says, um, somebody says to him, what are you doing? He says, I'm trudging. And they're like, what? Trudging? And he says, you know, to trudge the slow, weary, depressing, yet determined walk of a man who has nothing left in life except the impulse to simply soldier on. Nothing left except the impulse to go forward. I imagine that's how Peter felt. I really do. I think he just knew that he had to continue. And someplace, maybe in the back of his mind or in the depths of his heart, he knew that Jesus would forgive him. He just doesn't know how. Because, you know, even though they had been told he would be crucified, he would be raised from the dead, how was he going to have that conversation with him? How was he going to let God know, I'm sorry? How was he going to go to Jesus and say, restore me? Right? But he just trudged, you know? So, so <clears throat> the, um, the dictionary says trudging is to walk slowly with heavy steps, um, typically because of exhaustion or harsh conditions. Well, have you ever trudged? Have you ever been someplace in your walk with God where you were deliberately moving forward, but you just can't figure it out? Have you ever trudged because life's circumstances got you to a place where you just felt like, ah, last straw? It's my last straw. Right? If you haven't, please come see me later. I want to know how you do it. Okay? Because <clears throat> I know there have been so many seasons in my life where I've just been trudging. 
And trudging doesn't necessarily mean you're walking away from God. You could be walking toward God. But you're trudging because you, you have a heaviness in your spirit. You know you have to move forward. So there's the destination, and I'm just going to keep plodding my way toward it. I'm just going to keep plodding my way toward it in hopes that something or someone will lift my spirit. Okay? Because someplace in here, that's the desire of my heart. Right? When we get saved, the desire of our heart should be to love God with all our strength, all our might, all our mind, all of our everything, our money, our time, everything. But sometimes that's just really hard. Trudging is really hard. Years ago, our 17-year-old son, Joshua, asked to go on a hike. I believe he was 17 at the time. And the kid he was going with was, you know, they'd been friends since like fifth grade. And we trusted Mark. We really, really did. Turns out we probably shouldn't have. But he's a great guy. He's wonderful. And he'd hiked this trail before. Well, they got in and out okay. And um, Josh's pants stayed on the deck for a long time because the mud was literally up to like his thighs. They had to trudge through this pond that they didn't realize was in the way. You know, and there's a lot of pieces to that hiking trip and I'm sure that he has great memories. But I remember him saying that it was so hard to move his legs. You know, he said it was more like you were dragging them through. You know, and that's what I picture in life sometimes when you're just dragging through. You, you really, everything surrounds you and you just don't feel joy. Well, so this week was not the best week for me. I trudged through this week and most of the week before that I was trudging. Um, but because I'm a little more experienced than you know I used to be, I was able to be like, okay, this is really hard. It's very hard, it's difficult. Fred and I cried every night from Thursday on through Wednesday. Um, and you know, there was an event that happened that kind of put us in that place, but it brought up a lot of other stuff. Because when you're trudging, you're not really thinking positive thoughts. When you're trudging, you're so focused on the fact that it takes so much to trudge that you forget that the joy of the Lord is your strength. You forget that all you have to do is turn your head. Now, we didn't really do that. We were praying. We were spending as much time as we could together. Um, we had a lot of support around us. But it was still really hard. But you know what? We got up. We went to work. We had to smile. We were encouraging one another. Our family was encouraging us. They were, you know, sending us love, which was super, super, you know, helpful. Um, but I really think that that is how Peter felt. He was just trudging, all right? Um, we can go to the next slide now. Thank you. So Peter returns to joy. What did Peter do the whole time that, that Jesus was, you know, before... Pilate and all this kind of thing, those, those several days where he must have felt very separated from God. So what, what was he doing? Well, there is, um, let's see. Oops. 
in in John, um, I believe it's in John, when Mary goes to um, to the grave, the empty tomb. Uh, it's in chapter twenty, and it's around. Uh, let's see, verse two. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, stop there. Peter was with the disciples? Ooh, what had he just done? He denied Christ. Really? Really, really? But you know what? Instead of going to the local tavern or down to the river where he could just walk in and just keep going, he went to the disciples now, assumably, the disciples knew what he had done, that he denied Christ. And yet here the Bible says, they came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that John, right? He was with a disciple. He was with his brothers in Christ. He knew he goofed. He had to. He was a smart man. There's other, other places in the Bible where you can see how smart he is, what he writes and what he says. But in one moment of weakness, he denies Christ. And then where does he go? He goes to his brothers in Christ. I've got to believe that he said, as he was weeping, as he trudged there, I did what Jesus told me I was going to do, even though I didn't want to do it. And, and I feel terrible. And I need to be around you guys. I need encouragement. I need you to forgive me, because I sin not only against Jesus, but against my brothers who stayed firm, right? Um, <clears throat> it says, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter. But he stopped outside the tomb. Peter gets there and he goes in, right? He goes in. So he doesn't hold back. He doesn't think, I goofed myself up once. I have no right to be the first one in that tomb. He walks right in. He walks right in. Why does he walk right in? Because if Jesus is there, I have to believe he's going to throw his arms around him and say, I am so sorry, forgive me, and love, and he'll get that love. But he goes in and Jesus isn't there, right? And that's okay because he made the effort. He moved forward, right? And so later in the chapter of John, um, it's chapter 21, okay? And... Uh, in verse doo, 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 verse 7, Jesus is on the shore, and they're out in a boat, and it says, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. He plunged into the sea. What's a plunge? How do you plunge? Right? Do you go like, it's cold. Cold. You know? Do you stand up and go, swan dive? No. You plunge. You just put your clothes on and you run to the end of the boat and, and you do like, you know, I don't know what. You just jump. You jump, okay? You jump into the sea. They were, they were fishing, so they had to be a little ways out. I don't know much about fishing at all, but you can't catch fish that you can eat by the shore. That I know. Little guppies and stuff, but you can't fish... In, near the shore. So they were out there. He plunges into the sea and he swims, okay? He swims all the way. And then the boat comes in 
And you know what? I don't know what the people in the boat were doing, but it says then Peter had to turn around and grab the boat and get the fish. So he's doing everything in his power to restore his relationship. He wants to have a meal with Jesus. He wants to be with Jesus. He is doing everything possible. And I didn't have a chance to look this up, but it says he put on his clothes because he was in the boat fishing. Wouldn't it have been easier to just swim in what he had on than the robes of that day? So he, he, you know, he was weighted down, but he did it, you know. And then they have a meal, and Jesus starts to talk to him, right? And he says, um, in verse 15, Jesus restores Peter. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus, Simon's, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jodah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, they're talking about two different things here. They're talking about two different things. When Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He is talking about a rapio love, the highest love of the will. Love that implies commitment. And, when, and now Peter knew this, right? Because in the Greek, that's what it means. Peter knew this. And Peter's response was, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But the kind of love that he's talking about was the filio love that signifies affection. The kind of love that you have for your best friend, your spouse, things like that. It, it, replies, it implies affection. Now, I think some of us get to the rapio love um, when, with our spouses and with our families and things like that. But for, for all intents and purposes, this is what we're talking about. The third time... Right, so it goes on. Let's continue here. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Same type of love. Jesus is saying one thing, Peter's responding another. And so he says, tend my sheep. First one he says, feed my lambs, I'm sorry. He says, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time. Now, we have all at one time in our life been children. Some of us have children. We're repetitive people. When we're little, we're repetitive. Can I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Peanut butter and jelly PB and J? Can I have PB and J? Right? And it gets a little frustrating, doesn't it? You know? So uh, here I am trying to put myself into Peter's shoes. Was Peter frustrated that, that Jesus was asking him this? Because he's answering him. Maybe he was so enthralled in the moment that he didn't see the difference. You know? Or maybe this was meant to be so we could learn a lesson, right? So the third time, he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And you know what the love is there that he's, he's talking about? It's that filial love, the exact same thing Peter was able to respond to. It was where Peter was. It was what he could do. And so Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? I don't think he was frustrated because he was asking him a third time, like the PB&J, right? I think he grieved because he wanted to give more, but at that moment, that's all he could give. And Jesus knew that. So he flipped the switch, right? And he accepts Peter's failure. Peter was like, oh, Jesus, I love you. I do love you. But Peter also, in his heart and mind, knew that he had walked away from his commitment to Jesus. He had not done the will of God. But you know what? 
Jesus is going to keep going after him. He's going to keep going after him until they're on the same page. So he accepts the fact that Peter had failed. And he brings him to a place of restoration where, where Peter can now do what Jesus wants him to do. He will go out and he will feed the sheep. He will go out and he will tend the sheep. And if you keep going there, Jesus says to him, you know, I say to you, you know, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I'm not to, it's just long and I want to not spend a lot of time there. But he actually says to him, you know, yes, you are going to go out. And he also talks about the way Peter will die. And he's wanting Peter to know that he's going to come to a place of commitment. He's going to come to the place where he's going to have that Arapio love for Jesus. He's going to have to. For everything Peter accomplishes, come on, right? He really is going to have to. So Jesus does that, you know. So Fred and I were talking. We went for a walk at Grafton yesterday. And a scripture that has really been on his heart was 1 John 4.19. We love God because he first loved us, you know. So whatever happens in our life, good, bad, ugly, wonderful, awesome, spectacular, God loves us. And no matter what we do with it, because you know what? We can get the spectacular in our life and still sin, still not follow God, still not really like use what God gives us for his good and his glory. But whatever happens in our life, he loves us. Jesus loves us. He loves you and 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 everybody out there, even people who aren't following God. He loves them. That alone is reason for joy. That alone. Doesn't matter if I live in a tent in a yard and eat grass like a goat. Jesus loves me, right? Jesus loves me. And I think we lose sight of that when bad things happen. You know, years ago, there was a prophet at our church, and the message he preached was good things happen to bad people, bad things happen to good people. It's truth, right? Hard things will happen in our lives, you know? And, you know, I really wrestled because a lot has happened in Fred's in my life in the last seven months. Like a ton of loss, a ton of change, just a lot, a lot. Um, but I would like to think that we haven't lost our joy. You know, one of the joys that has happened in the last seven months is having my sister-in-law Linda next to me. Accepts the Lord, makes a turn, goes like this. Yeah, <laughs> hallelujah. Angels rejoiced in heaven, right? So if all the stuff that our family, and she, you know, she's Fred's sister, so she was included in all these things that happened can accept the Lord and worship and give her life and have the joy she has. I'm like, Jesus, you know, you loved her. You kept loving her. She found that love and she has joy overflowing, yes. you know? And then sometimes we just, we're like, we've been Christians for so long and we forget that, you know? We don't have the same joy. We don't have the same exuberance, you know? We, we're too shy, you know? We're, you know, we're just, we're doing it inside. We got the joy of the Lord in here. Well, if you've got the joy of the Lord in there and you don't share it, how are other people ever going to come to know Jesus's joy? Right? How? Just how? We can choose joy because he first loved us. 
then we can have the joy. Next slide, please. So how do you go from zero to 60 with joy? Because you know, it's not enough that I'm standing here talking about saved people who need to find joy. Like we should be the examples. We should be the people who say, no matter what's going on in my life. And I'm not denying that stuff is hard. You know, I'm not, I mean, Fred, his, part of his testimony is the amount of anxiety he went through and he wasn't able to leave the house. But he came to, you know, I'm going to do, correct me if I'm wrong, meditation, prayer, meditation, medication, exercise, and counseling. He got Christian counseling. You know, he, he spent hours praying on the living room floor. You know, um, but, and, and I say that because that's a reality. That was something he went through. It was the lowest, absolutely lowest, hardest, most difficult time in his life. Thus, it was one of the lowest, hardest, most difficult times of our marriage. You know, not because love wasn't there, but because life was happening. I'm trying to hold the boys together. I'm trying to go to nursing school. And I got a husband on the living room floor who can't leave the house and he can't eat, you know? But we maintained our joy. We, we made sure that the only people helping us were brothers and sisters in the Lord that we trusted. Because we needed that, that Jesus positivity. Did they come in the house and go, Fred, get off the floor. Come on, babe. No. Sometimes they would sit quietly on the couch and just read the word of God aloud. Or sometimes they would talk. Or sometimes they would do nothing. They would just stay there so I could go off to school. You know? So that, in the Christian realm, was the beginning. Let's take a look at Saul to Paul. Going from zero to 60, joy, all right? And Ananias went his way and entered the house. Now, Paul had already been on the road, right? And he goes to this house. And Jesus speaks to Ananias and says, go to this house. And he says, whoa, God, Saul's there. He's a bad man. He kills Christians. And, you know, go. So Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hello. Yes, he was blind, and he was receiving his sight, hallelujah, physical healing. But what about the spiritual healing? I'm, I, you're going to receive your sight, Saul. You're going to understand who this Jesus is. You're going to come to the place of salvation. You know, now, if I had been Ananias, I'm just a real person. Like, you know, I try to put myself in these people. I'd been like this. Brother Saul, <laughs> I'd have been shaken. I probably would have gotten sick, you know, because I'd have been petrified. Even though God told me to go, I still would have been scared because this guy kills Christians. Ananias, he pulled himself together and he was obedient as unto the word. And he went and he lays hands on him and he sees not only with physical sight, but with spiritual sight. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. He not only accepts the Lord into his life, but he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, I don't know if you can see, but I put the immediately in bold and underlined. Immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. 
Woo! Glory to God. He gets saved. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gets baptized all at the same time. It is coming, church. We are coming to a place where people are going to get saved and they're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit and they're going to want to be baptized and they're going to be on fire Christians. They're going to go from zero to 60 in 3.2 seconds and they're going to make a radical 180 turn in their lives. Are we ready for that? Are we? Yeah, you're clapping, but are we really? Are we praying for those people? Are we asking God how we're going to be a part of that? Are we saying, I'm willing to give up this God because this is going to take time and commitment and love. And you know, sometimes I don't have the kind of love that I need to have because I, I have to remind myself, God loves these people. God loves these people. God loves these people. Sometimes days are tough. Like I said, Fred and I have had a very tough like week and a half, two weeks. It wasn't just, so, so our dog died. And so it wasn't just that our dog got sick and started exhibiting things that would not, it, it just was a hard decision. Y'all know what I mean. But there was work stuff. It was one of the hardest weeks at my job. And I've only been at my job like eight weeks, but the last two weeks, eight months, excuse me, thank you. Um, it was just crazy, insane. There were just a lot of other things, personal things. And, you know, I had to really tell myself so many days in the last two weeks, put on your smile, gird yourself, get the word in your heart, have a better attitude, smack out of it, you know, to myself. I wouldn't do that to other people, but to really do that. Now, there were a couple times, I'm going to be honest with you, that I was less than cordial. I was less than cordial. Had a meeting with my brand new administrator. I think I was less than cordial in some parts because I was painfully honest, painfully. And I'm a very black and white person and I've been accused of being very curt. I can be curt. And I think I was curt. So, you know, once I gathered my thoughts, I was like, so I'm sorry, but you asked a question and I laid it out in lavender. Could I have handled that better? I could have. I really could have. Because the bottom line is, you know, if I can't change it, then I'm going to give it to God. You know, and that's really what needs to be done. Um, and then you go on in the scripture and it says, So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then, then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he was the Son of God. That's Acts 9, 17 through 20. Immediately. Immediately. So this... This, um, this Saul who persecuted the church, who was a mean, bad man, he gets saved, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, he gets baptized, and he spends a few days with the disciples because, you know, he should be learning stuff, right? Because he's a new Christian. I believe that a supernatural download came into him. And immediately he preached the gospel. Immediately. I've been saved a long time. I don't really know at what point I mean I think actually the first person that ever got saved because I preached to him was my husband and and I was you know didn't I mean he got saved hallelujah the way I presented it was probably less than beautiful because I basically said here here's the notes from the conference I went to and he didn't look like he was going to get saved and I said bottom line is if we leave here you get hit by a truck you're going to hell I'm going to heaven he got saved the next day. So there had to be some supernatural download that Jesus gave him. 
Okay, it was not my preaching. Um, so, but I truly believe with all of my heart that we are coming into a season where people are going to get saved and do a 180 turn. The days of gutting fish for years and years is over. I believe it. You know, people used to get saved and then the church would say, oh, you know, the fish are coming in. We got to gut them. We got to clean them because they're dirty. I, I think that that season is over. I really do. I think we are going to see people get saved and they're going to come in. And the question in our heads and our hearts should be, are we going to be able to keep up with them? Are we going to be able to keep up with them? Are we going to be able to stand by that new brother or sister? Or are they going to be running ahead because we've been trudging when we should say, Jesus loved me, so I should have joy. And I should want to share that joy. That joy overflowing should be in our hearts and our minds even when we are trudging. Okay? Next slide, please. So choose joy. For Christmas... I gave um, the family, my, my sons and their wives, and us, um, a soap dispenser, a little glass thing with a you know, pumpy thing, and it says, choose joy on it. Having cried ourselves to sleep for many nights in a row, we had to choose joy every morning when we got up because it was just really hard. It was really hard. And, um, you know, we would pray in the morning, we were sending each other scriptures, we were doing whatever it took to trudge through the moment and choose joy. You know, choosing joy means you're trudging with purpose. It's okay to trudge. It really is. But, you know, what did David say after he continued to, after he was restored? So we're going to go back to that scripture. I don't think I put it on the thing. But anyway, Psalm 51:12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. So when you're trudging, Jesus is upholding you. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Okay? Look at that. You trudging in joy is part of your testimony because someone else might be trudging. Someone else might be experiencing the exact same thing. And your answer has to be choose joy. Jesus loves you. He's never stopped loving you. He loved you before you knew he loved you. Okay? That that should be what we're what we're what we're spreading. That should be what we're saying. That should be what we're sharing. That should be where we go every single time. When somebody comes to us and they have a problem, an issue, a concern, they're depressed, they're anxious, they're feeling unholy, they've sinned. You know, you can listen. Listening's good. It really is because it purifies the soul for somebody to get it out, right? Babble, 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 babble. They're going to... But then it should be, you know what? God is faithful. He's never left you. He's with you. Maybe they don't know Jesus. You know what? Jesus loves you. He loves you in all of that. All of that doesn't matter to Jesus. You know what matters to Jesus? You giving your heart to him. You confessing your sins and accepting him into your heart and beginning to walk with him. 
immediately. Immediately, right? So our goal in maintaining our joy, in returning to joy, in coming to Jesus and being filled with that love and being able to smile, you know, put on your smile. Um, we watched the news this morning. We don't normally watch the news. But I, I think we were trying to look at the weather for Wednesday. But the very first story that came up, and normally we put it on mute, but we, we just didn't put it on mute right away, was about the girl who was shot by pulling in the driveway. And there was a balloon release last night. Her family organized at her school. Everybody was there. And it said, first thing the father said to the crowd was, it's OK to smile. She's in heaven. It's OK to smile. Wow. Wow. You just lost your oldest daughter, tragically. And you're there comforting people by saying, it's OK to smile. She's in heaven. Wow. So joy is part of our testimony. It's part of our testimony because Jesus loved us first, and we love him. And no matter what happens in your life, no matter what things you need to lay at the foot of the cross, no matter if you haven't wanted to give your life to God because there's just too much baggage, I'm here to tell you, he doesn't care about your baggage. What he cares about is your heart. And he wants to deliver to you joy and love today in a way that will rock your socks off. Knock your socks off, right? Knock your, knock your socks off and bring you to a new level of excitement for the kingdom of God. Amen. So in closing, I just want to say, Fred and I are on the prayer team today, I believe, right? We are on the prayer team. And um, we'll be over here. And it's not that I don't know who's over here. They'll be over here too. But if, if you have joy and you want abundant joy, come on up. And we'll pray with you. If you've lost your joy and you need some joy poured in, come on up. I don't want anybody to leave here today without joy in your heart and a smile on your face. That's my goal. Because you know what? I got Jesus in me. I got Jesus' love in me. And we've worked hard this week to say, fill us up, Lord. Fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us to overflowing. Fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us to overflowing. Fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us to overflowing. So we're overflowing. So we've got some love and some joy to give, and it's not ours. It belongs to Jesus Christ, our Savior. So please don't leave here without getting prayer, all right? So I'm going to ask Allison to come on up and do the tithe and offering. And thank you. Thank you for being patient with my, my PowerPoint. I would have all the patience in the world to listen to that again. It'll be online. <laughs> that, was, that was incredible, just incredible. Thank you, Elizabeth. I know it spoke to my heart big time. So there are multiple ways to give here at Redeeming Love. There's a card in the chair backs that you can take a look at. Um, and also uh, on, the, on the screen there, ways, different ways to give. Um, there are the, oh, you can put a check or cash in the envelope in the chair ahead of you. You can also use the Vanco mobile app, which automatically takes it out of your, out of your checking account. Thank you. 
And <laughs> uh, yes, you can also use the code. You can go online and click on give on, at our website, redeeminglove.org. You'd think I could remember this, but I. Um, I really identified with the trudging because for quite some time I've been really, really trudging and trying to keep my focus on Jesus because my finances were at a point where I wasn't making it. And I didn't know what to do. And so I, I'm like, okay, calm down. Don't go there where you usually go, Allison. Don't go into depression. Don't go into... The sky is falling, I'm going to die, and I wish to die right now. Don't go there. That's not what God wants. That's not God's plan for you. And I fought, and I fought, and I fought. I'm like, okay, Lord, give me a second job. Just, just whatever I can do as a second job, do. do. Please in, download in me a way of making more money. And it was blank. And this is going on for months that I thought, I didn't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. And I kept giving it up to God. Well, a few weeks ago, there's a problem within my family, within us kids. And my, um, my response, I didn't want to respond. I, want, or I wanted to respond and not react. And so I kept praying to God about it, this situation, this just kept praying through it. So now I'm trudging through that and through my finances. And um, I kept asking God, can I say this? No. Can I say this? No. Finally, he told me what to say, and I said no. <laughs> I ain't doing that. This is bigger than that, God. You know, and, I, and it wasn't as if I just said no. It was just like I fought him on it, and I fought him, and I fought him on it. And finally, I got so tired of fighting that and my <laughs> finances that I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, what God asked me to do completely took out the anger and the vitriol and everything and completely ended, ended abruptly. And I was like, why didn't I do this sooner? Will I ever learn this, God? But the thing was that that happened on a Friday, the following Monday, gonna cry, my boss called me and I'd asked for a raise before December and nothing was ever said, nothing was ever done. And on Monday she called me and she said, Allison, the executive board has met we're giving you a $4 an hour raise. $4 an hour raise. And all of a sudden I realized I was obedient, finally obedient, and God honored that. So I don't have to trudge. So never, never say no to God. <laughs> Be obedient immediately because God will answer every prayer, every request you have. He doesn't like us trudging. That's not what he made us for. So let's stop trudging. Father in heaven, we just thank you. We thank you for answered prayers. We thank you for the trudging that brings us to you, Lord. We thank you that you bring us out of it. And we thank you that you give us the will to obey, whether it's late or early. You encourage us, Lord. 
Help us to hear your voice and hear your encouragement and to obey even faster and help our hearts to prepare for what's to come in this church. We thank you for this offering and we ask you to bless all who have given. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer teams here and here under the signs, God bless your week.